Hey, it's episode 11 and we're doing something fresh. Today I'm speaking to three students from School 21 in London, which is where I work. In my school we give lesson time to standalone projects, which students take part in for a number of weeks or months. They're very much separate from the traditional school subjects. There's no syllabus, no test at the end, and yet we expect students to learn things that will be useful in life. The people I'm talking to today were tasked with evaluating the British school inspection system. It's called Ofsted, which stands for the Office for Standards in Education. If you're listening from outside the UK, don't worry. Chances are your country has a third party inspection system for its schools. And in this episode, we'll question whether the pressures of such inspections turn schools' attention away from students' needs and towards papering over the cracks. We'll explore whether schools could be trusted to self-evaluate, as they are in one celebrated Scandinavian country. I really enjoyed recording this episode. These are some inspirational young people with a critically important message about our education system. At the end of the episode, I'll reflect on what it takes to do project-based learning well. Also, I'll share a little something I wrote for my students before they left for the summer. Tired of the constant messaging I see them getting about revision, tests and applications, I wanted to remind them that work isn't everything, that they're young and that experimenting and having fun should be among their top priorities. This is About Learning, a podcast about big ideas in education. I'm Stan Pinsent, and you're about to hear from three students at School 21 in East London. Enjoy the episode. Jamila, Hamza and Isra, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Glad to be here, thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. So along with some other people, you've been running something called the Ofsted Project. Uh, could you tell me what's Ofsted and what's the project that you're doing? Um, so to begin, Ofsted is a governmental organisation that is used to inspect schools and how the school is doing in general. And so they go around schools in the whole of the UK and they assess and um, they assess schools and they evaluate whether or not the school meets the requirements of a criteria they follow called the framework. And so the framework contains the information they need to assess school by their curriculum, by their behaviour, by um, their senior management, and in general just to see if the school is pushing students to be ready for their future. So the Ofsted project that we're partaking in is we have been working with a company called States of Mind since the beginning of the academic year and we have been evaluating what Isra briefly mentioned about their framework which is what they use to evaluate and criticise schools. So we've been analysing their framework in order to come up with what we believe a better and more effective framework. Um, so that is basically the aim of our project. So you set out to investigate Ofsted. How did you investigate and what did you learn? The framework had four factors that Ofsted investigated. There was quality of education, personal development, behaviour and attitude and safeguarding. The primary focus of Ofsted was the quality of education, whereby they looked at the curriculum, how the teachers 
intent, implication, and impact. And the other one is personal development. To talk about personal development is how schools provide extracurricular activities. Behavior and attitude is what medical facilities that schools do when something happens. Something, and safeguarding is how it's literally the name how school keeps students safe. But however, do you know for the offset, they only focus on the quality of education mainly, whereby the the focus is the curriculum on and how the teachers provide the curriculum. They propose the EBAC subjects, primarily being maths, English, and science, where they distance or discourage schools from focusing on creative arts. So you're saying Ofsted has four things in its framework right now, but it focuses mainly on quality of education, yeah. especially curriculum, and especially the subjects in the EBAC, yeah. which are considered like the core old-fashioned subjects. Yeah. So when we were... Um we spent many weeks, probably like five, six weeks, just evaluating their current framework. And what we found was a lot of their thing. Firstly, their framework is massive. It it is so long and confusing. But what we found was that it's also very contradictory. So they'll have parts in there where they say that things like they wanna, they want their students to be ambitious. They want their students to go into creative subjects. However, they very clearly prioritize the EBAC subjects, for example. So as we like analyzed their framework, we quickly picked up on things like that. And being students, there were certain things that sort of irritated us or triggered us as such. So um, there's some stuff that we particularly paid attention to. Yeah, and so um, to create and organize our whole, I guess, gathering of research, we collected that data using surveys, focus groups and interviews. Um, so we began by distributing surveys anonymously to like different groups of people. So we'd say, for example, the teachers or the students, and we included a, a few questions about um, their thoughts on Ofsted, if they knew what Ofsted was, the effect it had on them, the effect it had on their school, and just as a whole, how they felt the education system was being assessed. And from there, we had so many students express their concerns, teachers, we had parents involved. And not only did we have teachers, we had teachers from different, I guess, um, levels so we went from head teachers to assistant like staff and so seeing that they that that whole the whole process was affecting them as a whole was really eye-opening sounds amazing so when you were looking for alternative ideas for a framework what did you do we, we started comparing our education system with other countries and one of the most prominent examples was Finland, whereby their version was a self-evaluation system. And our current system is a third party, it being Ofsted. So we thought maybe a mixture of two, having a self-evaluation scheme. And within the self-evaluation scheme, there will be schools collaborating with, with, with each other and a third party, such as Ofsted. However, after that session, we interviewed an ex-inspector and she disapproved of it. And she thought with the how offset orientated, it will be unlikely for any accomplishment to occur. So you spoke to an ex Ofsted inspector, and you you basically proposed this idea of a mixture of um, self evaluation and third party. 
she didn't like it, so she was all in favour of third party then. No, no, no. She she didn't like the Ofsted part as the third party. She said it was a self evaluation. It'll be more preferred. So an ex Ofsted inspector said third party was wrong. Yeah, quite shocking, isn't it? That's that's really shocking. So what was her suggestion then? Oh, she said we might as well just keep it within the school and school working together. So we proposed an alternative method, which is schools evaluate like helping each other um, by evaluating themselves. So Isra might want to expand on that. Um. Yeah. So to put it simply, we completely think that it's foolish to have a third party assess schools come in for literally just two days and decide whether or not the school is adequate enough for students to attend. And it was completely unfair and unjust for someone who's never really met the teachers and students personally to be able to decide whether or not the school was good enough for their standards. And so we thought alongside having that third party who can see the curriculum from the outside view, we'd have a self-evaluation scheme where students, teachers and other schools alike can work alongside one another to see the changes they can make to create a better a better environment for the students where they can see themselves from the inside and see the true image of the school so that they can grow I guess in a way so you're sort of saying it's the it's the teachers and the students and the staff in the school who know the school better and their best place to see where the strengths and weaknesses are mm-hmm. so in definitely your, so in your self-regulation framework what kind of questions would school staff be asking um, so the main thing we wanted to mention was mental health and behaviour and attitude. I mean, I could, you can't get an inspector to come into school and be like, yeah, 100% the students are happy. You've been here for two days and the school could always put up a front. Um, the opinions could always be biased based on where the school is geographically. The inspector could have some sort of dislike towards a certain area. So it would never be fair. Whereas if we had opinions from different schools, the teachers who work in the school who could be truthful and the students who are there learning and getting the education, it would be a much more fair and truthful, I guess, view of the school as a whole. Well, I can certainly see some of the strengths. I think I think a question some people might have is, how could you trust a school to fairly evaluate itself and not just pretend everything's okay? Uh, I think it's in the school's best interest to ensure that how they evaluate is more accurate because the main focus is the students and if they want to prepare students for the work outside it's crucial for that to happen. And I guess with every method there will always be cons it's just you just have to weigh the cost benefits I guess because you will never find a method that is completely perfect so for example if we did realise that like the criticism we just raised and we also thought of what about different schools coming together to evaluate each other however you could then say to that well schools could be trying to bring each other down so I guess at the end of the day it's which is better and which would you prefer and I think collectively we we did come to the conclusion that although um, a school evaluating themselves could be biased or to some could be unfair also however I, I do believe that it's way more just than a third party having no connection to the school whatsoever bearing in mind some Ofsted inspectors don't have anything to do with schools in the first place, they have completely different careers 
and they just come in to evaluate an environment they have no idea about. So I guess in that sense, though it has cons, it's it's still better. Mm-hmm. Another thing people might say is, well, a good thing about Ofsted is the inspection results give parents a good way of choosing what the best school is for their child to go to. So if we stopped inspections, wouldn't that be a bad thing for parents? You know, one of the drawbacks of the inspection about grading them and placing them on league table is that what it does is that the parents of the best ability children, they'll move out of the area and make sure that the child will go towards the school with the better rating. In the end, what that does is does really nothing other than drive the prices of houses down alongside schools of bad off the rating will either get shut down or will join into an academy. Yeah, to add to that, I feel like the reviews and the reports given on schools are already unfair and biased. For example, you would see that schools in higher income areas where there's like higher class people would have outstanding ratings and amazing results. Um, maybe that's due to the fact that they have more resources. And so it'd be unfair already for an area with like lower class people where they don't have those resources. And so another thing would be how a parent might not always know what's best for their child. And so if they assume that a school that has great academic, like the curriculum is based on math, science and English is best for their child, might hinder that child from achieving their other subjects like the arts if that makes sense also in reality that is what we criticized about Ofsted the fact that they just have a rating system because there is existing research saying that parents like they don't read Ofsted reports they just see outstanding or inadequate and they make their judgment based on that but if you like if you were to ask them well what does that grade consist of they have no idea so in reality it's just completely unfair if you want to make if you like you're saying that we should create Ofsted is good for parents, well, sure, it should be for parents, but we might as well create a better framework then so that they can understand themselves and so that's actually fair. Yeah, that, that definitely resonates with me. As humans, we tend to be concerned with the initial grade. And if that grade comes, we don't look at the detail. It's going to be the same with parents. Does your new framework then have more nuance? The current offset framework takes into account the quality of education, which you said they focus on too much, personal development, behaviour and attitude, and safeguarding. How is your framework different, and why is it better? Um, so to begin with, their framework is way too long and confusing. It doesn't really pinpoint what they're looking for, and it really does contradict itself. And so what we did was use their main base of their four main points and broke it down into simpler I guess subcategories and so when they have their quality of teaching we'd have um, we'd include all subjects and not just the main subjects like maths English and science we'd include life skills which students really emphasized they lacked and they had no knowledge of their steps after education Uh, we'd include a greater depth of personal development like the criteria and how students are developing as a person and not simply with their subject choices Um, and then we'd have a really big section on mental health and student voice because again the whole point of this whole framework and 
educate the education system as a whole is for students and so that we become the best generation that take on the world i guess and so not taking our voices into account just doesn't make sense you can't make all the choices for us and completely disregard us and how we're growing and so we'd include student teacher relationships and behavior and creating a safe environment for the students within school to do this we'd have of course the third party inspection but we'd also have our own self-evaluation as the others mentioned before we'd include student focus groups teacher focus groups and questionnaires annually which we believe Ofsted claim they do but the questions are I guess put in a way that's way too biased and completely doesn't show what the students truly are feeling um and yeah if there's anything else you'd like you guys would like to add so uh, what, what inspection framework wants to focus on is actually giving teachers and students more autonomy it's what I mentioned about giving not just focusing on specific on specific sets of subject actually just a wide range of subject because what because what happens that if you limit the choice of students and build and tell students what to do they actually do the opposite and what that tends to happen is that medical they don't they don't really care they just become they just become nihilistic towards education as a whole and that's if that's if the purpose of offset is to make students ambitious ambitious it does the opposite just to yeah. clarify the main difference between our framework and Ofsted's framework is that we're heavily emphasizing on mental health and the sort of emotional impact that it's having the education system is having and the evaluation system is having on students and teachers alike um, which is something that obviously like we said before that Ofsted sort of neglects so I guess that is the main difference which in my opinion makes our framework much superior mm. than theirs. It's interesting to think about the mental health side of it. I know that incidences of mental health, or at least recorded incidences, have gone up loads in the last decade. Did you, as groups or individuals, have any theories as to why teenage mental health seems to be deteriorating? High stakes exam. That's one idea. Any others? I guess the whole education system is based around grades and exam results. And so that of course, would hinder that students and that pupil's mental health, knowing that their whole life, I guess, journey is based off one grade that they have to sit in one hall. And I guess that workload and that anxious thought really does affect them mentally. And I think it's the same thing with teachers, knowing that they have that kind of weight on their shoulders of having that student's whole entire I guess worth if quotation marks there is it really does affect both parties. Hmm. I I completely agree that I think anxiety has become a part of motivating students nowadays. We we tell students that the exam's really important and that they need to prepare now or else they're in trouble or else their career is in trouble. Do you know an interesting thing about this? Really cool. Do you know how education systems or is orientated? Like people don't begin to ask questions. The curiosity starts to diminish over over during near the end of their academic year. And do you know from interviewing Naomi Fisher, Doctor Naomi Fisher, she talks about how success is portrayed more linear, not academic, not academics. 
whereas it shouldn't be linear because mistakes has to be made in order to learn. And with people with different backgrounds have different abilities and placing them through this one narrow system won't have the best results that we're looking for. I mean, I'm so jealous, first of all, that you got to speak to Dr. Naomi Fisher. Oh, it, was, it was good. I actually enjoyed myself and yeah. asking more questions. I suppose you could reflect on this whole project um, as individuals because normally you're motivated by the exam result at the end. In this project, there's no exam. There's not even a teacher standing over you making sure you do everything. So what has motivated you as individuals through this project and how has that felt different? Um, personally, I think it's our own individual experiences as students. So when we first um, signed up to be part of the project, um, we obviously knew we were going to be working with a mental health company. Um, so that immediately, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm pretty sure that is what intrigued us because um, we sort of, I wouldn't say lacked that connection with mental health, but it's that thing where like, we were so focused just coming to sixth form with our studies, exams, that what we need to be doing, but we sort of found this opportunity to have a safe space where we can voice our opinions and our criticisms and everything, but at the end of the day, there's a goal to it, so it's not like a therapy session where we're just sort of like ranting or blowing off steam, it's a place where we're blowing off our steam but we know it's going to a good cause like we know we're going to do things with all our opinions so I think personally for me that's what sort of kept me motivated knowing that okay I'm struggling or I have like I don't like this about the education system but I know like every Thursday I can come and be like okay like this is what I've seen this is what I don't like we need to change this or how can we change this how can we implement this so I think that's what sort of kept me motivated and kept me drawn to the project so different to how we usually learn, isn't it? I also wonder whether any of you, because of this project, did any of you reconsider your own plans for the future? Definitely. I'd say I reassessed how I view teachers as a whole to begin with. Um, I guess starting this project and the whole journey with the project made me notice the Ofsted inspections that I had to go through in secondary. I never thought twice about it. But now that I'm in this project, looking back at how the teachers worked when they heard that there was an inspection, that an inspector come in, it was just, it was sad to look at, knowing that they would fake, less create fake lessons to kind of impress the inspectors, having to mark hundreds of books, um, trying to find the perfect books. And also the unfair treatment of other students and like less able students or students with behavioral issues would be pushed out of school or taken on trips so that the inspector wouldn't see them and they wouldn't bring like disappointment to the school and so seeing how the school would have to change themselves and like adapt just wasn't fair and the fact that they can't get constructive criticism just criticism in general from the inspectors at Ofsted isn't right and so this whole point of reassessing and changing their framework was not to perfect it. You could never get that perfect, I guess, framework. It would just be to mitigate those problems where there's that lack of clarity and those contradicting points that they have as their criteria. And just the inspection being short again. So two days, 
staff creating all those lessons and all those books where they bring out the best books and the best students to interview. Just all of that whole environment and atmosphere just isn't right for students and teachers. And yeah, so that's the whole point of this project, changing that whole idea. I think another huge benefit of this project is it's been a real eye-opener in terms of like student-teacher relationships. I feel like I, I definitely do value teachers' efforts way more. Um, Isra and I conducted quite, I think, two or three focus groups and interviews with current teachers. Um, and it's something that we both, like, even after the interviews, we were talking about for days because we never realised how much stress or, like, things that the teachers also have to go through we look at in the lens of just students obviously being students ourselves and we feel like we're being targeted we're like like so much pressure being put on us but we don't realize that teachers go for it worse and they're the ones that are in the crossfire basically so i think it's helped us to also appreciate that what teachers are doing for us and that they also um go through it the same which is why in our framework we also ensured that not only are we evaluating the mental health or like the um how students feel but also teachers that that also plays a massive role in our framework because we believe that without a positive student-teacher relationship a school cannot thrive um which we believe that Ofsted sort of missed out or they didn't place that much importance on i'm really glad to hear you say that thank you so much jamila you're welcome. What can we expect next from your project then? Well, this is the end for us now. So the general inspection framework that we came up is not fully done by us, so it's going to be taken by the next group of people that will come in. And some of, and what do you call some of us that want to stay behind and get things done. There is also um, a documentary that we've been compiling throughout the beginning of the project. Um, we've been working with um, a documentary and filmmaker Catherine Smith so we're hoping to sort of compile a documentary to I guess document our process so far yeah which hopefully would be quite cool to watch back I can't wait I'll definitely be sharing that documentary with the listeners when it comes out can you tell us about the petition so so for the e-petition what we want is a large approximately 100,000 signatures to get a debate in Parliament, or if not, at least 10,000 signatures to at least get a reply from Parliament. So if you get enough signatures, you can you can force Parliament to debate yeah. something. What are you going to ask them to talk about? Oh, at least rethink, the, rethink how Ofsted inspects. So you're not even asking them to completely change it and get rid of Ofsted, just to rethink. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this project that we're doing sort of gives us credibility because if you go to someone with a problem without a solution, you're unlikely to be taken seriously. I guess if you come with a problem, you come with a group of people that had that same issue and that problem, and you also come with a solution or a possible solution, they can't really turn you down because they look like fools themselves. So I think um, that has also been our motivation for this project because we really want to make a change. So um, knowing that at the end of this project, we'll try our best to get other people on board. I think that is our end goal for this project to be spoken about nationally and not to just be looked over. Mm. Well, I really think you deserve that that platform, so I hope I hope that happens. And I will be sharing the uh, the e petition when it comes out because that sounds very very exciting. 
I mean, you just made an amazing case for your framework. So thanks for sharing that. I guess what's terrifying is this very project, which has opened your eyes, isn't really recognized by Ofsted. It wouldn't, it's not a key thing on Ofsted's framework that, that uh, students start changing the world or doing projects. It doesn't come under English or maths. So what's kind of worrying is this project, which has clearly meant a lot to you, isn't valued by the current inspection system. What I'd like to ask you all is what's one thing you'd like listeners to take away from your project? What I would like is that learning shouldn't just be in school. Learning should be something like a continuous process that should happen throughout our lives. Thanks, Hamza. My one would be don't let the system define you. Don't let numbers define you. Don't let a paper, a piece of paper define you. And going outside of the box and reaching further and pushing down those idealistic, like those ideas that there's a certain way and that's the only way is completely wrong. And being different, like not wanting to choose, let's say, for example, the main subject and rather going into the arts and media doesn't make you any less smart, any less ambitious. If anything, it makes you more, it makes you unique. And so don't let it define you. Thank you, Isra. Um, on a wider perspective, I'd like the listeners to sort of recognise that um, not everything is as black and white as it is made out to seem to them. So I think it's everyone's own like, personal responsibility to sort of do their own research. And it goes for, it applies to everything, not just like sort of the education system, because I'm sure a lot of people, just like how we didn't know a lot about Ofsted to begin with, I'm sure a lot of the listeners also did not know what Ofsted was to begin with. So I think it's all, like, I just like the listeners to sort of be aware of like organisations that have such a massive impact on the way we're living our life and just sort of taking what they're saying blindly. Thank you, Jamila. Jamila, Hamza, Isra, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure you will go on to achieve some amazing things in the future. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Three inspirational students. Their story is interesting on two levels. Firstly, they're exposing the weaknesses in our current inspection system and looking for a better way. Secondly, they're an example of what young people can achieve when we step away from teacher-centric education. What should we call this? The Ofsted project is clearly project-based learning, but it's also work experience. It involves journalistic skills, and activism. There's been no teaching, there's no syllabus and no test, and the learning is really a byproduct. The student's goal has been to investigate whether there's a better way to regulate schools. They're motivated by the same things adults are motivated by in their careers. A desire to change the world, a desire to help the team, a desire to meet their colleagues' expectations and the satisfaction of a job well done. This is an organic source of motivation. And it's a world away from the promises of reward and the threats of failure that are usually used to keep children in line. 
I wonder what has made this project a successful learning tool. The students are working with adult professionals, and the ratio of adults to students is high. It's interesting to note that this project isn't run by a teacher, and what's certain is that the students have much more autonomy than they have in their academic subjects. They have a say in the direction of the project. They're responsible for what the team produces, and they can take credit for the project's successes. I know from experience that not all projects are this successful. I've run three different projects in the last few years, and none of them have reached that critical point where the teacher becomes just another team member, where the students are investing time and effort because they believe in what they're doing. My projects all had memorable moments. In my cycling project, we cycled to the seaside. In my United Nations project, we had lots of cool debates about international issues. And my projects were all fundamentally different from lessons. But I never truly handed control over to the group. So how can projects be great? First of all, you need a school leadership who will devote time and resources to projects every week. You need really good training from people with experience. You need a team who can give you advice and feedback. And perhaps the most important ingredient is the hardest to get. You need a genuine cause. There are big barriers, both physical and cultural, between schools and the real world, which make it really hard to connect with causes. Great projects need to do something for real people, though. This could be through partnerships with businesses, charities, or local government. When you have a target population, you have an audience, you have accountability, and you've got a reason to work hard. In this project, Isra, Hamza, and Jamila were working for all of us. They've been working to create a better way of regulating the schools that educate the children of the UK. These three are a beacon of what young people are capable of if we trust them. I wish I could say that all of the young people in my school were finding their voices and thinking about what they want to do for the world. Unfortunately, even in my supposedly liberal school, I noticed that we teachers are giving children constant messaging about studying, tests, and the dangers of failure. At this time in the summer, end-of-year exams have overshadowed everything. The time set aside for coaching, which is meant to be about debates and building a class community, has been turned over to study skills sessions and university applications. Last week, they received their test scores and were given 60 hours of study homework for the summer. And to me, they just look defeated. I know a few students feel lost. They're anxious about failing. They're working hard and yet they're not getting the results they want, which is making them more anxious and the cycle continues. During our final assembly of the year, which was full of the same old messages about the importance of revision strategies, I wrote a little speech to give to my class before they left for the summer. And I'm going to read it to you. It's been a tough week. Getting your exam results, being given big blocks of summer work, personal statement deadlines, but I want you to remember that your worth as a human being is not decided by your score on an assessment. Please take some time this summer to love yourself. You're 17 years old. This is a time to explore, experiment and enjoy yourself. It's a time to think about what kind of life you want to live 
and what kind of person you want to be. It's not all about exams and applications. So please, as you're planning how to fit in all your work this summer, make sure you plan in things which are important to you. Next episode is going to be just me. I'll be reflecting on the second season of About Learning, what I've learnt and the course I'd like to plot for the next few months. I'll talk about how my thinking has changed and what this might mean for my career as a teacher. I don't want to give away too much, but the theme is going to be reform or revolution. This has been About Learning. I'm Stan Pinson. See you next time.